Let's start with the Boston Bruins with uh, with Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, Fridge, good afternoon. Thanks, as always, for, for stopping by. I want to get to the, the Holland presser, the Woodcroft uh, Croft presser, but I want to open up by talking about David Pasternak. And we did an insert on the podcast that just came out. And for those that haven't listened yet, you know, all kinds of rumors about, you know, since the Bruce Cassidy firing, what is this going to mean for David Pasternak? He's on an expiring contract, one more year, and he's UFA. Uh, some good reporting by Fudo Shinzawa in the Athletic, leading a lot of people to wonder whether that's it. That's a, you know, that's going to be that's going to be it for David Pasternak with the Boston Bruins. What is the very latest with uh, with David Pasternak in Boston? Well, you know, Fluto is a good reporter, uh, Fluto Shinzawa in Boston. So when he's writing things like David Pasternak could be traded or David Pasternak won't be re-signing with the Bruins if Don Sweeney is the GM. That's news. Like he's not a guy who really uh, blows things out of proportions or anything like that. He's he's a good reporter. So, you know, I, I I've been looking around on this the last couple of days. You know, if you look at the Bruins, they want to sign him. That's every indication I've gotten is they want to sign him. Now, if Pasternak for some reason says I don't want to sign there, then they'll have to move him. But I, I don't think that's their plan. Option A is sign him, and that's it. Now, I did reach out to J.P. Barry this morning, who represents um, uh, who represents Pasternak, because, look, when this stuff is getting reported, you got to at least try to find out if it's true and yeah. or just verify it. And uh, he just said he spoke to Pasternak today. He spoke to Sweeney today. He said they're going to sit down and talk about a contract extension in July, and everything else right now is premature. And... Um, you know, one of the things we were kind of laughing about is, is, is if you read uh, Shinzawa's story, uh, the, I guess the, the text message quote is, there's no way as, there's no way that Pasternak is staying if Sweens continues as GM. And I said to him, are you the kind of guy who refers to Don Sweeney as Sweens? And he mm-hmm. kind of laughed. And uh, I guess, you know, they know each other. <laughs> They're both Atlantic Canadians, and they played minor hockey against each other. And uh, he said, no, I refer to him as Donnie, so I'm not the source of that text. So we were kind of having a good laugh about about that. Actually, Jeff, you would appreciate this, since you always talk about Brad McCrimmon's, uh, you know, 60-minute or 45- to 50-minute games when you played 60 sometimes. 60 sometimes. He... There you go. He said Don Sweeney would play 60 minutes at that level because he was so much better than everybody else. And the only time he wouldn't play, because he said the team wasn't good, he was the best player. And the only time he wouldn't Mm. play was when he took frustration penalties at the end of games. (laughs) Well, you know, I I think that, you know, like, I I wonder how much of this revolves around, and listen, we, we, we talked about this this morning. Um, whether it's David Krejci, whether it's Tory Krug, like some really popular players yep. have left have left this team, and yep. you know, as I as I, I read Fluto's piece and speaking to you this morning, you know, right away, did you see the video that um, that Pasternak and Krejci recorded together, where Pasternak they're walking down the cobblestone streets and. Uh, Pasternak says something along the lines of, 
you know, so David, are you coming back to the NHL next season? He kind of gives this cheeky smile and then the, the, the video cuts off. I don't know where it fits into various conspiracy theories that people may have of, you know, the future of David Posternock and David Krejci and the Boston Bruins and Don Sweeney and what the offseason may look like and how much of it is tangled up in this web of, you know, what's Patrice Bergeron's decision going to be? I just wonder about it because it's out there and anything like that is 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 a factor or at least it's a... Maybe the best way to put it for you, it's a breadcrumb for people to, to follow. I don't know that it leads necessarily anywhere, but I think it's a breadcrumb. Well, I think the thing is, Jeff, and, and thinking about it more and listening to you as you ask that question, it's a, it's a very emotional time around the Boston Bruins. You remember yeah. in the bubble when they lost when they lost in the playoffs, how emotional those press conferences were? Yeah. Because, because they knew that it, it – like, this group of Bruins is coming to an end. That was it for Chara there. You know, he moved on. He went to Washington and then the others. It was very emotional for that group of guys. And at the end of last year, it was crazy. And, you know, it's very emotional for that group of guys. And now we're waiting on Bergeron. And if he leaves, it's going to be very emotional for that group of, of guys. And so if you were to tell me that, like Anchorman, these players are in a glass case of emotion, <laughs> I totally get it. I, I, I completely understand it. Um, you, know, you know, for example, like we've had a lot of change over the years at Sportsnet, and some of those have been very emotional for me. And sure have. Because, yeah. you know, these are, these are people, you know, I've known for a long time and loved working with. And like, like, I get it. I understand it. The one thing I always think about, though, is how many times, Jeff, have we been doing this where something happens during a season and you hear, oh, that's really pissed off that guy. He'll never stay there. And then when things kind of calm down, maybe sometimes they leave, but sometimes they stay. Right? Yeah. And. Like so, if you were to tell me that Pasternak was upset about all this and was thinking about his future, I, I totally, totally get that. But I've done this long enough to understand that this can be a roller coaster. Like I remember when Eric Carlson resigned in San Jose for weeks, people said, "There's no way he's staying in San Jose. There's no way he's staying in San Jose. There's no way he's staying in San Jose." But there was always one guy who said to me, and this guy was pretty smart. He said. Don't go there. This could happen. And he was right. And, you know, that's the thing. I always, like, there's always a lot of rumors. That, and I understand all the emotion around the Bruins right now. Uh, and it could be right. There's no question it could be right. But until we get there... Mm -hmm. let's see how it all plays out. You are really seeing, though, over the years how tight this group has been. And, you know, we've, you know, at times joked about it, and it's always, you know, neat to watch. You know, Brad Marchand, when he knocks over the, you know, collapses the puck pyramid on the way out to, to warm up, they always leave, you know, he always leaves the one puck for Tori Krug. Um, mm -hmm. the David Krejci video, how close he is with Pasternak making videos together. Like, you, you do get a sense that something has really been ripped out of this Boston Bruins team. Where this thing leads, we don't know. Uh, we'll see. But I, I wonder how much of it, you know, revolves around the Patrice Bergeron decision. And listen, if 
if Bergeron's not back, I think we all do wonder, like, okay, and now Brad Marchand is out with the hip surgery, and they say six months, but we know what hip surgeries are like, etc. And we've seen Tuka Rask leave as well. There's another one we have to throw into the equation. Uh, all I know is that it, it does very much right, you know, look look and feel like like this in the the entire spine of this Bruins team uh, is being pulled apart. Um, a couple of things before we get to last night. Um, as I went on the air, Ken Holland was still speaking. I'm not sure if he still is. Um, but before that, Jay Woodcroft um, spoke and talked about how, you know, there's no update on his contract status. So talk to Ken Holland uh, next week. Said a lot of players were hurt, but deferred to Ken uh, on who those were. Um, Ken Holland confirming it's a high ankle sprain. No surprise. Uh, for Leon Dreisaitl, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins with a shoulder injury. Um, Yamamoto in concussion protocol and Darnell Nurse, as we all know, with the hip. Uh, but as of right now, and I think Nurse is getting it reevaluated, surgery is not required. What, from what you heard and saw from the Ken Holland presser, did you take away the most? Uh, well, I think that, you know, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, you know, he, obviously he wants Kane back. Um, you know, there's no question about that. You know, they he's going to have to do some juggling. Um, they're going to have to clear some cap room. Um, he didn't give a lot of intel and in how he wants to do that. I know he was asked specifically about trading Clefbaum's contract because they're an LTIR because of it. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But, you know, I first know of all, can, I, I don't know if they can do that one due to insurance reasons. They might I'm, not be I'm, able I'm not, to. I'm not so sure about that one. Well, I'm just saying it's an option, but you're right. Yeah. It's, a, it's a it's a good point. But Clefbaum's contract is a thing. Um, but I do I, I do think, you know, he didn't give away too much. I mean, probably the newsiest bit was the confirmation on Dreisaitl, the fact that they don't think anybody needs surgery right now. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Yamamoto's in concussion protocol, and it sounds like Woodcroft and Holland are going to meet next week to uh, discuss his future. Um, I think that they're going to try – if they can't move Clefbaum, and you, and you raise a very good point about it, I, I think they're going to have to clear room elsewhere. Like, And uh, I just wonder who they look at on their roster as uh, expendable and, and how they're going to go about doing that. I think the other thing, too, is – and you, know, you and I did talk about that in the pod. We talk about emotion. Smith was obviously very emotional – I think, you know, once he gets past the emotion of the season, um, mm-hmm. we'll get a clearer picture on, on what he's doing. But I do expect, I, I do think the Oilers are going to work hard to try to clear cap room this offseason, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. You know, it, uh, it, it almost seemed as, uh, as, as well, Elliot, and this should probably come as no surprise considering how many players they've now put in the pipeline uh, for the Oilers. There was a, Ken Holland really went out of his way to talk about, you know, the push coming internally from, you know, from, from prospects, from players in Bakersfield, from young players uh, on the Edmonton Oilers right now, players taking the next step, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Evan Bouchard, for example, Sam Rukoff, Broberg, like these types, like there's an expectation from the Oilers and probably this will be you know the challenge of all the exit interviews like here's where you need to get to next season like I I understand that Holland wants to clear cap space but did you not get the sense that you know one of the first things he talked about was the need for an internal push like don't just rely on external help here and trades and free agent signings a lot of the progress for the Oilers has to come internally 
Yes, it does. And I, I can't remember which one of them it was, but um, which one of them it was. But one of them was asked if they saw Broberg as an NHLer next year, and they said yes. So I think mm-hmm. that could, and and you and I talked about this on the podcast today. Uh, you know, Bouchard, he has to be given a shot to run your number one power play next year. It's it's his time. So I, I do yeah. think one of the guys we're going to be watching there to see what his future is going to be, uh, Tyson Berry, unfortunately for him. It's been a real merry-go-round since Colorado. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I do think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, in his particular case. We wonder about Seattle. We could also maybe wonder about Montreal there um, with that player. If they uh, they decide to move away from, from Tyson Berry, there will clearly be a market for him. Uh, okay, Eastern Conference Final Series all tied up at twos. And, you know, talking off the top, this is a, a Rangers team that right now without Strom and without uh, Heedle, and we'll see what the nature of the injuries are and what this means for uh, Game 5 now heading back to, uh, to MSG. It's the best two out of three. Uh, this is a team that looked out of sorts last night for each. Like, I know they threw more, threw more pucks on Tampa um, through two periods of play, and you're saying to yourself, well, hang on, Tampa doesn't feel like they've lost any control. They've had it from the open, Like, they've had it from the maroon goal and probably previous to it. But how did you see last night, and what do you look for heading into, uh, into a Game 5? Well, that one, to me, was the first game that was played at Tampa Tempo. Even the one where they fired 51 shots in Game 3, I still think that was a game that the Rangers were very comfortable playing for the most part. Last last night was Tampa just turning that into a more of a grinding game, um, controlling the middle of the ice. Like They really controlled the middle of the ice. Even though, as you said, shots were close, I felt Tampa really controlled where they were coming from. Uh, you know, they, they, they let the Rangers go where they wanted the Rangers to go. They made life very difficult on the Rangers getting to where the Rangers wanted to go. That's the first game of the series where I really thought that was the lightning uh, uh, controlling the pace of the game. Um, look, the Rangers suddenly have some big injury problems. You know, the, the two issues I see were for the Rangers coming out of last night were just the injuries, obviously, and just the, the Tampa's discipline. The lightning didn't take penalties, or at least not too many. And, you know, the Rangers, as we know, are a team that really thrives on the power play. They didn't get a ton of opportunities last night. The Rangers are going to have to figure out a way to be more effective uh, five on five. That's you know that, like, that was the quiet. Like Zabinajad had an unbelievable playoff. He's been terrific. Oh. That was the quiet. That was the quietest game he's had. And mm-hmm. so I, I think you know the, the Lightning did not let the Rangers feed off the power play last night, and that's obviously going to be a huge factor. You know, it's it's funny. It was two nothing, and everybody's like. Oh, the Lightning are done. The dynasty is over. And now it's 2-2. And every, oh, the Lightning are going to kill them. The Rangers are done. I, I still think Shesterkin has a lot to say about this series. Um, we've seen him single-handedly lead the charge. And is anybody going to be surprised if, if that's what happens in Game 5 tomorrow night? I, I think this one is fun. I, I think, look, I, you know me. I never pick against the Lightning. I still yeah. think Shesterkin is a huge factor. Uh, he will be the thing about the thing about Tampa is they they have such a dedication to and this just comes with winning I would imagine and their leadership group and you know go right down the, the list and stability in the organization like all the things the you know other teams point to is said this is why we're envious of the Tampa Bay Light they just seem to have a dedication and a discipline about how they play and it's unwavering. 
There is no yeah. panic, and there's an unbelie- there's an unwavering belief, Elliot, that they have in themselves. Like even when they're down, like you look at that game three, like they go down to Tampa goes down two nothing to the Rangers, right? Okay, nothing's working. Um, you know, uh, we're we're trying to get in front of Shosturkin. It's led to two power play goals. Zero panic. Zero panic, and they rip off three goals in a row, and they win the game in spectacular fashion. You know, in the yep. dying seconds, a great pass from Kucherov to Andre. This team is just like you always love to see teams that believe in themselves. I don't know if there's any team right now in the NHL that I've seen this season that believes in themselves and what they can do more than Tampa. Well, that's what winning two Stanley Cups and ten playoff series in a row will do for you. Yeah. We're the Lightning. Like how many? Like you know. I always think about this. In 2001, Colorado won the Stanley Cup final without Forsberg. They had to do that for seven games, which was a feat because that was a hell of a New Jersey team. Like, that was an incredible feat. Right now, they have now played eight games without point. Basically, eight and a half games without point. And what's their record? They're seven and two. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's remarkable, um, and what that does for your confidence. You know, it's it, it's. I'm going to have um, Marie Philippe Land is coming up here in a couple of moments, and I had a, oh, nice. had a long conversation. Yeah, I had a long conversation with Sarah Nurse last night. I haven't caught up with her in a long time. We had a really uh, a good conversation, and we were talking about the Olympics and talked about the previous World Championships. And I said, you know, I, I was asking, like, at what moment did you guys know that you were something special? And she said, World Championships, that first game, not the not the gold medal game, but the the first game we played against us uh marie philippe poulin was injured and we played without her she's back at the hotel and we still won and we still played the same way she said that's when we knew we had it you know the best player in the world probably the best player ever wasn't in our lineup and we could still win we could still play our game and i look at tampa and i say to myself like Okay, you can make the argument whether Braden Point is the best player on the team, make a case for Kucherov and Hedman Stamkos, go right down the list. But they're doing it without, you know, they're doing this without Braden Point, and it seems like they haven't missed a beat at all. And you look at the New York Rangers, and a couple of things become really obvious here. Um, they need all hands on deck right now, and this Ranger team, you know, we talk a lot about the stars on this squad. This team really needs mm-hmm. Ryan Strom. You, you get a sense of just how important Ryan Strom. He doesn't get mentioned with all the big guys. We talk about Kreider, Zabina, Jad Fox, etc. Shesterkin. Ryan Strom's a really important player for this team, Fridge. And it's really, well, it, it was really obvious early tomorrow. Yeah, or last night. Early. Absolutely. He was really obvious. Absolutely. I, I feel the same way. I think he, I think he completely fills a role. Um, and like that's the thing. It's it's I I, I keep quoting a Lamorello line. I don't remember what it is. The bricklayers don't uh, make meat or whatever he says. You know, <laughs> you. I've heard you, you mess you, this up on TV already a couple oh, of times. Many times, many times. Uh, I got one you for know, you. Hang on. Use 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 this one. Fiddlers fiddle and dancers dance. Use that's that. One. No, but the, he uses bricklayers. Like bricklayers is in his quote somewhere. So I'm married to bricklayers, although I can't remember the rest of it. Uh, he's, um, he's uh, like, he, he just fills a role. Like, they're, they're a better yeah. team when he's in the role he does. Plus, also, I think he's a pretty positive guy and a good teammate, from what I understand yep. about him. So, you know, I, I think it, it really helps when you have those kind of people around. And 
it, it's bad enough when you lose one center. Well, now you've got two hurt and well, two out and Goodrow's playing hurt. So it really affects uh, everything that you uh, that you do. More pressure on Igor Shosturkin. Uh Real quick wrap up. I just uh, mentioned that Marie Philippe Poulin is coming up here in a couple of moments. Uh, hired by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we discussed this yesterday a little bit as well. Uh, she'll work in the player development department as a consultant. She'll work with uh, the younger kids transitioning into the uh, into the pro ranks. Um, this is something we've talked about for a while. I don't think she'll be the last either. No. Nope. Um, this this nope. this off season. Um, but do you have a, more a coming. Quick, I was going to say, do you have a quick thought going to break here on, you know, this is the, the beginning of a wave of like, I've, I've maintained that when Gina Kingsbury is ready, um, that there'll be a position for her somewhere. Um, you know, Teresa Feaster uh, is someone else that we've, we've talked about. Um, there is, there are, there will be more women hired in various front office positions, uh, mm-hmm. not just with NHL club teams, but I think within the NHL itself as well. Do you have a comment on all of that? Well, I think just in Poulin's case, I, I think the Canadians knew that if, if she was going to work for an NHL organization, it had to be them. It was, it's the right fit. It's the fit that needed to happen if she was going to be involved. And I think the Canadians were well, well aware of that. So I, I, think that, I, I think that's the right outcome. Look, uh, you know, Megan Duggan just got promoted in New Jersey. Um, you know, we, we're, we, you've seen what Vancouver's done. Uh, this is happening uh, uh, all over the place. And, and like I said, I still think there's going to be more. I think one of the questions that you know everybody kind of had to figure out here is how many players uh, from this era of, of, of Olympians were going to retire or still play. And, you know, you mentioned Gina Kingsbury. I know she's been someone who's been talked about. I think she said she wants to continue to work another cycle, right? So right. I, I think that that was right. one of the things that, everybody had to kind of figure out here is who's done and who isn't. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of where we are right now is, is kind of figuring out that entire thing. All right. Um, back to your day. You get a night off tonight, Fridge. What are you going to do? Actually, you know, well, first of all, before we wrap up, I wanted to mention another name in coaching circles. I'm starting okay. to hear Jim Hiller. I'm starting to hear Jim Hiller's name in a couple of these spots, the former Toronto assistant coach who is with the Islanders. Um, I've heard that a couple of teams have uh, asked for permission about him. So he's a name I'd want to put in there. You know, tonight uh, uh, I've got uh, Max has basketball, so I'm going to go attend his class. And, uh, you know, you all saw my great form the other day with my left hand. So (laughs) me and my chicken legs are going to go to Max's class. I was going to say, is Elliot standing on a chicken in his driveway? That poor chicken. What are you doing in that poor thing in your uh, in your driveway? Well, listen, uh, all the best to Max and uh, and basketball. Enjoy it. Um, being a sports dad is fun, man. Dig it for each. Yes, it you is. Have a good time tonight. All bro. right. Take care, Jeff. Speak to you soon. There he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.